This episode of the Power Podcast is sponsored by Siemens. From decentralized industrial applications to heavy-duty power plants, Siemens is with you from the start with the most complex portfolio to cover your needs. From instrumentation and controls components to powertrains and full turnkey solutions, Siemens provides ingenuity for life. The Power Podcast is the latest offering from the longest-running power industry publication in the world. Established in 1882, the Power brand is dedicated to providing its global audience with news and information important to the power generation industry. Now here's the host of the Power Podcast, Executive Editor Aaron Larson. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Bill Castor. He's the Director of Business Development for Siemens Energy. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. We're at the Electric Power uh, Conference and Exhibition in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's April of 2019. And during the event, you actually gave a presentation about CHP, Combined Heat and Power. So one thing that I'd like to start off with is kind of going through you know, some of the uh, highlights from your presentation. So particularly, uh, I think you started off talking about the grid and how the market has evolved and, and different things that have changed. Can you touch on some of those topics? Sure, Aaron. So, so really what it, it, the, the topic was intended to be the future of CHP, generally speaking. So I started my discussion with a little bit of the fundamental story about why CHP makes sense to both utilities and to uh, consumers and users, and then talked more about how CHP is an entirely different animal than your typical power plant because it is so... It's so intertwined with the end user, the host, as well as impacted by the outside grid. So the, the grid has evolved and it's changing so dramatically now from a unidirectional grid with large generation at one end and consumers at the other is now becoming something that, that energy is flowing all directions and there's you know, much more impact of renewables and intermittent resources and the, the, you know, the challenge for utilities is how do we manage that since renewables are making such a, a you know larger penetration how do we manage that on a grid that was built a long time ago for a system that had entirely unidirectional and dispatchable power generation associated with it when you think of the grid of the future compared to what the grid of the past was is that something that um, is just going to evolve or are there major changes that should be done like in one swoop or how does this happen? So I think it's a, it's a little bit of all of those things. I, I think what, what, what from the CHP perspective and, and how it impacts the future of CHP, my story revolves primarily around how cheap energy you know, natural gas times a heat rate, what you pay for energy is really not the full story to a consumer and their actual power prices there, what includes their transmission and distribution fixed charges, mm -hmm. as well as the less expensive energy portion is really what they need to consider when they look at what their total cost of energy is. And so the, the transmission system, I think, is seeing huge investments either incrementally or in some cases entirely new infrastructure. And if you are a, an end user, a consumer on that part of the grid, you're going to pay that through a, a fixed rate back to the utility. So I, I think those investments are really what I see as creating, even in a cheap energy environment, a real, you know, one of the real drivers for 
um, consumers and, and you know a potential CHP host. So there's not only reliability gains, efficiency gains, environmental gains, but also you take control of your own destiny and you don't wait to see how much investment is made in the grid and how much your utility passes through to you. You can take control of that yourself. And, and again, I think controlling your own destiny is kind of one of the, the phrases that I think uh, really is attached to CHP as a, as a driver for the potential hosts of those, those units. Do you look at it more from the utility that's providing the power, or do you look at it more from the industry side that needs the steam, for instance, for the CH or from the CHP system, or is it a distributed energy solution where the industrial entity is actually doing it all? You know, they're basically decoupling themselves from the utility how how is it being done so i i think that's a case-by-case -case basis aaron it's uh, I, I the whole story for chp has to start though with the end user and I, I think one of the things that's easy easy to overlook is that you know the combined heat and power is a you know two product at least kind of outcome sometimes more and you need to have that thermal host in order to make that a sensible alternative so for the host there's electricity and thermal energy, usually steam, involved in that decision. For the utility, it's much more of a you know just a, an electricity story and a reliability mm -hmm. and a grid story. I think my presentation today and and generally what I'm seeing in the market is that that utilities in the past have traditionally I think resisted CHP coming mm -hmm. because they tend to take large customers away from the utility. M many of the of the cases that we're looking at today involve either utility ownership and operation or at least a cooperation between the host and the utility to try to make those work and and honestly if they if if there's resistance and a difficult relationship chp really has an uphill battle so i think cooperation from the utility seeing that it has benefit to them as well is key to the advancement in chp it always has been what i think is changing now is that utilities are starting to see that and i think being much more supportive and, and, and even trying in some cases to, uh, to, to you know, own and operate CHP systems for some of their large customers. And, and again, I think my, my story for the utility in my presentation today was really a big driver of that other than the obvious ones that we've talked about is that if you don't do that as a utility, someone will come and do it for you or do it, do do it, it for it. you or to you. Some of the other things that you touched on, I think, were how the utility is changing and what they're being asked to do is changing. Is there more that you could touch on on that? So it, it was really a discussion around how demand has pretty much stayed the same, but in the past, the, the kind of traditional story was that the utility had you know some renewables, but not to the extent we have today, and had a lot more um, dispatchable resources that they could work with. So that was a much more predictable scenario for them, much easier to, to manage. Today, you take that same traditional grid, but you have, you know, wind that, uh, that you know, tends to peak, you know, on, on its own, and frequently it's not when you have the highest power demand. Solar peaks in the middle of the day, again, not necessarily matched to any demand, and, and none of those renewable resources are dispatchable. So the challenge for the utilities is using that same you know, grid that that infrastructure that's been you know that's been there for you know decades. How can you balance all of those requirements and and still you know keep uh, keep the power flowing and and you know keep the the reliability for your customers? When you think of CHP systems, I, I think a lot of times people think you have to have it kind of 
when you're developing a plan, already have it in mind that you're going to do this. Can you retrofit plants or can you bring in industrial customers after a plan is already in place or is it just too difficult to match the needs with the supplies? So another yes to both to some degree. I think if, if, if there is a new industrial facility being built, you certainly have the opportunity to have the foresight to build that and optimize it as part of the original plan. What we see more commonly is an industrial site, which which still represents the biggest opportunity because they're you know they have thermal processes that really drive a lot of their their systems and their processes. So a lot of it is retrofits where they will be getting electricity from the grid the traditional way, and they will have a boiler or multiple boilers to supply that steam. So those two things are disconnected, and again on the steam side, which is always a, a real driver for them on the reliability and efficiency side they will have redundancy built in, but they're always less efficient than they could be through a, a CHP kind of solution. So what we're seeing typically in the development process is that someone would still get some of their electricity from the grid, most most frequently, just to stay, stay in sync with the grid, and would use the existing boilers as auxiliary boilers, backup if you will, or even supplementary, so that if the CHP goes down either in a planned or unplanned way, the existing boilers and the existing connection to the utility can can kick in almost instantaneously to make sure that they you know can continue their operation so right. I, I think the most frequent case again is looking at systems that are old and maybe less efficient and need investment and using those still as you know backup to a chp system that might be a you know a, a new investment new yeah and I, I guess i wanted to add I, one of the one of the things i added in my story today um, was that uh, you know, the, the boilers in this country, many of them, I think 75% or more, are now beyond 40 years old. And a lot of those, you know, either for environmental reasons or efficiency reasons, or, or, or just you know, plain you know, out of their useful life, need significant investment or replacement. So I think looking forward for CHP, there, there's a lot of opportunity because of that. I'm thinking of an industrial customer that's been out there for a long time, has a successful operation has these old boilers are they they're utilizing uh, a gas turbine I guess from Siemens and then incorporating that uh, through some sort of um, you know combined heat and power solution to basically supplant the old boilers and, and as you said use them as backup yes what sizes are you talking I, I assume they're relatively small in in output mm -hmm. Is that uh, typically the case, or does so, it vary? So small is a relative term, obviously, but I think, uh, yeah, I, what, what, what we're seeing is you know, there's, there's, uh, there's always been a certain number of CHP systems. They've always made sense to one degree or another going back decades. And one of the things that's starting to happen is uh, I think the, you know, the, the large industrial customers that have been you know, in the petrochemical business, the refining business, pulp and paper is another example, those were large installations and a lot of those have been you know done in the past what we're starting to see is is a lot of the installations still seeing a large number of them they tend to be much smaller now so I think it's, it's representing an opportunity for reciprocating engines even all the way down to, to fuel cells and wh where Siemens comes into play with that most often is by offering a, a solution so instead of just a gas turbine, and I, and I talk about this again today, instead of just saying, you know, we sell this piece of the, the puzzle and we're going to find a customer and figure out a way to make it fit, 
we, we try to be open-minded and look at the current situation, what would be the best solution and several alternatives potentially for the customer to look at and then try to implement that solution and frequently find that a company like Siemens has, has the benefit of having a lot of technologies and you know it goes all the way from small to large and from control systems to the electrical systems transformers and and that sort of thing so I, I think the uh, you know th there's there's a certain advantage to talking to someone that may do this kind of project once in their career and even an engineering firm who used to do it for large plants and is trying to adapt to the smaller plants, I, th I think having a company that can offer a solution as opposed to pushing a product kind of view is an advantage that Siemens brings to, to that kind of environment. And, and that's really, I think, where we're finding opportunities. And you know, many of those very small opportunities, uh, I think, is an adjustment for large companies, both engineering firms, the classical ones, as well as OEMs like Siemens and, and the other OEMs. I think we're all learning to adapt in that kind of environment and, and try to be more efficient with, with what you do because these smaller projects just can't bear the same kind of overhead that you would approach a large generation project right. with. And I think I remember last year I actually talked to Dahlia El Tawi yeah. and she mentioned that you know people, uh, the customers want kind of a one-stop shop. They, they want to come to Siemens and say, this is what I need, make it, make it happen for us. Is that still kind of what you're seeing? Yeah, and, and I think a lot of times they don't know what that here's what I need part is, or maybe they think here's what I need, but it's not quite so simple. What I have found is that I, I think that that is true, and, and, and having the expertise of someone like Siemens to help you find your way through that is a key. And I think picking a partner that has the experience and that sort of thing is, is more important now than ever because the complexities of the market impact what you might build as well as how you might operate that. So it, I, I think, again, for someone whose core business is not power generation and they haven't ever you know, implemented a CHP, it's key to have someone like that. You, you you can you know have that one hand to shake, one throat to choke, however you want to put it. One person to point the finger but, but, at if things go wrong or right. need to be tweaked. Right, and and I and I think being able to count on that expertise and that they're not trying to you know sell you a, a, an answer without understanding the question fully, uh, that that's an advantage that 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 we try to bring to the table as Siemens because we have a you know a broad portfolio a lot of solutions and we really want to provide the best solution not just you know uh, uh, you know here's here's the size turbine we're pushing here's today what we're, we're trying, trying to make it fit yeah. yes and when you mentioned reciprocating engines it brought to mind a recent story that we published uh, about a Siemens reciprocating engine that's yeah. being used down in Puerto Rico mm -hmm. which was really helped the reliability it was at an LNG uh, facility yeah. i think a hub so i think that's quite uh, innovative how that's being used. When you talk about these CHP systems and you need to do service and that's part of the one-stop shop that you were mentioning. Right, right. Okay. Right, and, and again, it, it really comes into play in CHP more so than the typical large generation facility for a utility because utilities are familiar with rotating equipment and they, they, they you know, get that. So it's a, it's a little bit of a more, you know, standard business practice. For someone whose primary business is, you know, the manufacturing of, you know, a product, I don't or know, an LNG hub, for instance, yeah, well, yeah, that may not be something 
that they're used to is working on a reciprocating engine necessarily. Right, and and you know a, a, a group that's a, a real prospect is is you know food and beverage companies. They're 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 good at making their product, and it's an extremely competitive business. So CHP can do a lot for them, but but in many cases, while they know the boiler side of things, they really aren't familiar with the servicing and maintenance and operations that goes along with the gas turbine. So helping to make sure that they have a partner that not only knows how to do that, but can make commitments to them on training their staff, being there to help them in the transition until they're ready to kind of get up and walk on their own, and, and then you know have a long-term safety net, it, it has been key to, to a lot of those types of projects. Yeah. And I'm guessing some of them don't even want to take it on at any point in time. They'd rather just leave it in your hands and right. be able to say, hey, this is your right. this is your baby right and and that's and that that leads Aaron into some of the you know the other thing I touched on that uh, you know there, some of the commercial structures have evolved over the years where you know those companies you know are, have limited capital resources like everyone it's very competitive so looking at third party ownership and operation the the so called you know deboom market develop build own operate maintain represents an alternative as well and 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 you know, Siemens participates in that. Typically, we'll find a partner that does that kind of business. But those kinds of economic models are part of choosing a partner who has expertise and financial capabilities, and you know what I call situational awareness. You know, understands how the outside market can you know help you and potentially hurt you, and help structure the deal accordingly. I think I think those things are all part of that. Uh, you know, it's it, it's it's really a key to select the right partner that can help you with all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so. What are some good examples of places where this is really being implemented? I mean, are colleges, universities, or industrial is more uh, your market, or what do you think? So, so we're seeing a little bit of all of the above. To be honest with you, I think the uh, you know what what tends to happen when energy is cheap is th those competitive markets tend to see what others are doing and start to implement it. So, for some, it's reliability, hospitals universities, district heating, cooling types of things. For others, it's a competitive driver. So uh, I think, you know, food and beverage is, is a market that I think is starting to see, you know, significant potential benefits from that. Downtime for them, an interruption in the in the electricity supply or something is, is a big cost to them and puts them at a competitive disadvantage potentially. So uh, I think those types of customers are starting to look more seriously at CHP, maybe, you know, where they hadn't in the past. And, and, and some, honestly, it, it goes back to that, you know, just controlling your own destiny. I, I think with all of the things you see and read and hear, it's very difficult to figure out which, which way to go. So a lot of these types of customers are, are, you know, a little bit frozen in their tracks, waiting for some clarity. And, and I think CHP affords them a chance to take control of that as opposed to waiting and, and you know, seeing you know what happens and it's one thing I wanted to mention and I think it's more common today is that a lot of these companies are being pushed to do so by their stakeholders shareholders or just you know stakeholders literally and in annual reports and you know the, the things that they're talking about is how are we going to get cleaner and how are we going to you know improve our environmental stewardship and that sort of thing CHP is something that uh, that, that they can use to keep their you know, word and, and, and mm -hmm. you know, their commitments to their stakeholders. So it, it's, it, it, it has many facets and it, uh, it brings a lot of advantages competitively and from a social responsibility aspect to, to companies like that. And so, you know, what is the first step? How, are, how does a company get involved and in, in make this happen? 
So quite frequently, Aaron, we, we, we end up with the initial contact really just trying to perform an energy audit and try to clarify what the current situation is. I think, uh, you know, when someone starts to look at CHP and whether it makes sense, they may understand how their plan is operating and have snapshots of, you know, what their monthly bills are, that sort of thing. That's part of the story, but understanding how they're using their energy first trying to help them with being efficient and conserving it, mm -hmm. then helping them you know, maybe determine what solutions might make sense, involves typically kind of a, an energy audit type of approach. And, and we'll frequently do that uh, you know, up front to help them understand that without a commitment as we start to kind of develop the working relationship and the partnership. So I, I think the, the, key, the key for us is, is trying to help them understand where they are and what they can expect, were they to consider a CHP in some form, and then working with them to try to optimize how it might integrate into their system. And probably planning for the future and do they expect to grow, do they need excess capacity that they can yeah. then build upon? And yeah, like frequently, and, and, and to be honest with you, a lot of them don't understand how they might interact with the utility at that case. So they, they won't always get an initial warm reception from the utility about that. So having someone with expertise on the development side of that interaction is very beneficial. And, and again, maybe you oversize it and export some to the utility because they would like that. Maybe you undersize it a little bit so that you're always in sync with the utility and bringing some electricity in off the grid. Those are those are you know things that someone with the you know the expertise and the development background uh, I think can bring to the host side of things that they probably don't have themselves unless they've done it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. I can imagine you know obviously a lot of power plants, especially big ones like nuclear power plants or coal plants, they get uh, shares owned by multiple utilities where you may have two or three or five different power companies that actually have a share of that plant. Do you ever see a utility and an industrial customer go together and actually build a plant where maybe there's a CHP aspect and they're utilizing it that way? Not, not quite as you described it, but very close. I, I, I think we're starting to see some of the more forward-thinking utilities want to own and operate and then you know, continue to sell and, and you know, now steam and electricity as opposed to just electricity. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing that business model. That wouldn't entail uh, an ownership share as much as it would, you know, have a commitment Some for the offtake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're seeing that, and then you know. It's to, frankly, the, you know, unless there is an industrial park where there are multiple offtakers, and there are some of those cases, typically the smaller CHP systems would be owned by the host. Mm -hmm. there, there are cases where there is an industrial park, you know, maybe, maybe four or five different industrials or light industrial commercial types of, of customers are in that same area and will be interconnected. So they'll each not necessarily own a share, but again, they contribute to that by having a power or, uh, or you know, a, a steam sure, offtake, or off yeah. So, so they have a share of what makes that you know that work, but it's not. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not a shared ownership, to, you know, necessarily. I see. Do you ever see these utilized in more of a microgrid type, where there's also solar and there's also wind and there's some battery storage and some gas and CHP all combined into one kind of unique system? Yes, and I, and I think you know you you. You hit it on the head. I think there, for a microgrid, there's typically multiple sources of generation, and, and a CHP system would be a very you know good contributor to something like that because they're dispatchable and you know that sort of thing. So I think in tandem with renewable assets, a, a microgrid you know almost necessarily has you know some form of, of dispatchable generation, and a CHP is a great fit for that. I think we're seeing, and I think we'll see 
a lot more of, of that type of approach. Cool. President Obama had committed back in 2012, I was actually just reading this recently, to have 40 gigawatts of new CHP by 2020. We're not even close. I think we're at four gigawatts, yeah. if that. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think it would be really beneficial. It's such an improvement to efficiency. It's such yeah. a benefit uh, in utilizing your energy wisely. It's interesting. I, I, uh, especially, you know, before I joined Siemens, I was a developer, and I was, I've always been doing this type of project. And, well, not always, but mostly. <laughs> it, it's always made sense. We, we tend to go in fits and starts. When some, you know, one of the drivers gets out of control, CHP becomes a solution to help with that until it gets back down to a manageable level and then it kind of normalizes a bit. There's been a much more consistent ongoing push in other parts of the world, in particular Europe. Mm -hmm. I think with district heating and cooling and those types of things, they seem to have done it more consistently than the United States. So we have gone fits and starts and, and you know, done it a fair amount. Those projects seem to be now, you know, uh, kind of a, the normal, you know, the number of projects again is, is there, but the large ones I think have been done. So I mean, the, the you know, the goal of uh, 40 gigawatts or something would be, would be just crazy, right? Yeah. We'd have to do a heck of a lot of very, these very small projects to, to get to that kind of level. But Europe, Europe and, and even, you know, other parts of the world have just had a, a much more consistent policy and a much more predictable, you know, way of knowing what this system would do, how it could operate. And, and how you could optimize it, we, we've, we've kind of, you know, gone at it full speed and backed away, and, and it's gone through that cycle for, uh, you know, 20-plus years in my career and even, you know, prior to that. So I, I think it has a place in any of the scenarios that we're looking at going forward, especially with, the, you know, the, the drivers of trying to be more environmentally conscious and, you know, all of the renewables that, that, you know, that get baked into that to be, you know, environmentally friendly as well as dispatchable is a difficult combination and CHP fills that. So I, I think it has a bright future for the reasons it always has, but especially in a, in a more environmentally conscious environment. I, I think it has a, a role that will, you know, continue to be there and hopefully grow in the coming years. Mm -hmm. One other thing that just came to mind, when you think of Europe, you know, those are old streets, those are old cities, you know, you a lot of times when I think of CHP, I think of, well, you can't do it because the cities have already been set up the way they are and they've already got their air handling units and their HVAC systems and they, they're not going to upgrade or change out their systems to, to a CHP system because it would cost too much or just wouldn't be economical. But is that true? I mean, is, can you upgrade these systems into old buildings and old facilities and make them um, more efficient? Yeah, no, of, of course. And I saw a, a couple of examples on that one. So the city of Holland in Michigan is a great example of that. They had a coal plant and for various reasons, cost being paramount, but also, you know, just the demands of their population, they wanted to do something different. So they wanted to shut down the coal plant. They, they, they put in a CHP plant that actually uses most of, well, I think all of the thermal energy is used for, you know, de-icing, you know, heating, heating the streets in the winter. So that's a very European concept, Design. right? And that's worked out to be a great success for us. I will tell you that other universities, and uh, I, I can't be specific at this point, but there are at least two universities right now with systems that have been in place, you know, 20 plus years. The universities have been growing you know, constantly, so they want to expand those systems. So trying to find a solution that still fits in a building that they already have 
you know, footprint that's already occupied maybe by an older gas turbine or, or some other piece of equipment is, is a, a very real opportunity for CHP. It's, uh, again, as this is, you know, kind of gone over the decades, some of those pieces of equipment are, you know, uh, they, they should be replaced. You can get more out of them and the needs of the universities have changed. So, so look, looking at campuses for that type of, you know, replacement retrofit type of thing is, is, is definitely a, a situation that's, you know, happening a lot now. Inviable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. Thank you so much. It's uh, been nice talking with you, Bill. Thank you.